Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. My guest today is Ross Matthews. Hello. Hello. I love that song, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> You're my new best friend. I didn't even know it. That's right. Mm. You know, I kind of feel like you and I are both trying to be everyone's new best friend. Oh, really? You think, oh, well, I don't. You I don't, don't think like, of yourself I don't think you way? have to try. I think you're just being you and people want to be your friend. You oh, know what I mean? You're showing me up. No, no, That's no, That's no, totally no. what someone who's like <laughs> secretly trying to elbow me out of the way and be everyone's best friend would say. <laughs> Maybe you're totally right and I'm like psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just feel like that's like your vibe is... Very inclusive sure. and chatty, and uh, I yeah. think I'm, I'm that way too. I, I get that vibe from you. Thank totally. you. Thank so, you for having me here. By the way, BT Dubs. Thank you so much for doing my show. So, for the mm. listener who doesn't know who you are, although everyone knows who you are, it's uh, a lie, but sweet, and I'll take it. Ross, the intern. From That's Jay Leno. I started as Ross, the intern, 13 years ago. Wow, can you believe that on Leno? And then um, I started working on E. And then you blah, did blah, Chelsea blah, blah. on the show. Chelsea number of lately. Times. I do yes. all the red carpets for E. Um, yeah. Hello, awesome. Ross, the talk show. Hello, Ross, the talk show. Live from E, the show. Um, a bunch of stuff. I just, honey, if there's a job, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> and your podcast, Straight Talk. My podcast, Straight Talk. We are 10 weeks in. It is so much fun. Straight Talk with Ross. Advice and LOLs from the gay best friend you wish you had and know you need. I give it to you straight. It's like Dr. Laura, but like a little higher pitched and like <laughs> not totally horrible. <laughs> so let's talk. Oh, and you wrote the book, Man Up. Oh, the bestseller, Man Up, that's out in paperback, hardcover, and digital download. That one, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm proud. I'm really proud of that book. I think it's so great. I okay let's talk about your voice go um in the book you talk about your voice being something that you had to learn to embrace yeah and then it hit me yeah of of course that would be something that I could imagine you felt self-conscious about what I'm uh, what I'm talking about of course is that your voice is sort of high-pitched yeah so talk about that well you know it was um there was a moment in my childhood when I realized I started to start coming together that I was not going to grow out of being a gay cartoon <laughs> and that I lived in a small farm town and it could be really easy. I understand how people go down the path of hating themselves. For me, the fork in the road was, was very obvious to me. I can either hate myself or I can be all in and love me. And I just like, it was very clear to me. Maybe it was a good day or something, but I just said, I'm all in screw it. What? I mean, the other option sucks so bad. And so I just embraced it and, and, um, I learned, you know, you have to learn how to make the, the joke first. You have to, um, win people over with different things. You have to use all, every tool in your tool belt, but I'm all in. And listen, I would not have had the career that I have now without this voice. A lot of people notice it beca- me because of it. And then they kind of forget about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. I also loved the story of you quitting your job as a, what were you like a spinach Yes. Cock blocker. <laughs> I was, that's hilarious. I was, I, I picked spinach when I was 12 and it was like, pick, uh, you pick the, um, the male plants have little yellow balls and they'll pollinate the other ones and sort of make them rot. So you take them out and then we eat the food. Anyway, I worked in the fields in Washington state. Yeah. And my, you're talking about the story where, the, where you quit. I quit and I'm not a quitter, no. but I quit. And can we say anything? Yes. On this? Okay. Anything. So the, uh, the field boss, I was 12 years old, called me a faggot and I didn't know. I was kind of like, I, one how dare you two i'm not really even sure what that means but how dare you and i just um i uh you gotta read the book to to really hear what i said but i uh gave him what for Mm. and said fuck this job fuck that i mean you know what i mean i'm not gonna take this his abuse i stood up for myself though but where did did that come from do you think 
Well, no one else is standing up for me. I don't know. I just kind of, <laughs> I just, I always felt like a grown up. Like even now I feel like a senior citizen, but at 12, I felt like <laughs> 35, you know what I mean? And I just felt like, uh, it wasn't right. And I had to do something about it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in with normally the harder questions come later go. after I butter someone up, but I'm just going to jump in with this. Cause I was watching a We're s- best friends, honey. Just jump That's in. Right. Go. I was watching a snippet of a video. It was a HuffPost live interview. Okay. And you were talking about, by the way, you look like your brace for, it's really not a hard question. It's okay. just more of a, this is just odd for me. Cause I'm usually interviewing. So to be like the subject. So I, I actually turned to face you like, okay, be present answer her question I'm like doing like I'm doing like in my head prepping myself for it so go it's working oh good I mean it was until you said that but sorry no I'm just kidding so anyway um you were saying that there are these sort of watershed moments in your life like before your father passed away after your father yes. passed away before you met Jay Leno after you met Jay Leno yes. before you met Chelsea Handler after you met Chelsea Handler mm-hmm. could you talk us through what your life was like before and after each of those incidents. Sure. And I think I would hope, and I hope you and anyone listening would understand that there are moments in life that change you and you are a different person than you were before it happened. Um, and I talk about the, the biggest one that ever happened to me was losing my dad at 24. He was 59, way too young. I was way too young to handle it. Um, but you know, I did the best that I could, but it certainly changed who I am. I felt like a member of a club that, um, I didn't know anybody else who was a member of. Yeah. Um, I had one friend and she and I became very close because of that. She had her dad pass away. But I mean, my friends were so wonderful and would talk to me about it. But it was like, like talking to someone about how Wednesday suck because it's in the middle of the week to someone who's never experienced a Wednesday. It's like, I, I get that you can empathize with me, but like Wednesday suck. You, they just, you can empathize. You can't feel it. Mm-hmm. And so I felt very alone with it, with it and just had to process it myself, uh, before and after meeting Jay Leno changed everything for me because it was, uh, this fantasy land dream that I had growing up in a farm town of always, Oh my God, one day wanting to be there. And then I met the guy and he put me on his show and sort of just validated everything that I'd ever thought and dreamt. And then Chelsea Handler, cause, and then, so then I was on Jay Leno and kind of was a gimmick and. And people were like, what's the intern? Is, is he Cassie? What's, what's his deal? Da, da, da. And I was like, no, 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 but like, I'm good and I'm funny and I like, we're really hard. And then Chelsea Handler was the first one who saw that and said, I'm going to put you on my show as Ross Matthews and I'm going to let you guest host when I'm not there and get, let people know that you can read a prompter, that you can, <laughs> that you have a point of view. That is not that I didn't get to do that on Jay, Jay Leno, but it was much more limited. Right. And so Chelsea sort of said, no, you're the real deal. And here you go. Use my platform. Um, to to let people know that and then the, the most recent before and after moment was hella ross and that show i'm so proud of it went on for two seasons that was your talk show on e yeah talk show on e and um i mean it was amazing there was the building the studio one with chelsea handler's name and my name on the building when chelsea left that show left because she produced it which is a bummer because yeah. we were doing really well in the ratings and everyone loved the creative but whatever but uh that's a before and after moment as well. And now as I sit in the after, I'm just sort of coming out of it. I like went away to Palm Springs. I lived there part time and just sort of like healed and really came to terms with. And I'm, I feel very different than I did before I started those. Those are, and then meeting Salvador. Those are the five, um, my partner before and afters with your talk show was, were you trying to continue it? Like, was there a way that it could have continued there even though she was leaving? Uh, I guess technically there, there, there could have been. Um, but I just think that like, those parties were separating. Right. And yeah. <laughs> did, were you, did it make you depressed? Yeah. I don't, not depressed, but were you um, going to say I don't do depression? I don't do depression. I never have. Um, 
I felt I felt sadness and I mm. certainly felt sad. Um, I just, you know, it had been my dream to have a talk show since I was eight years old and then I got it. And then what do you do after that? That's kind of what I'm sitting with is like, okay, well then I've always just been like, th- that's been my North star, you know? So then if that North, See, cause we're the same person, you get it, honey. Yeah. So if that North, I mean, imagine the dream of dreams of dreams that you've ever had laying in bed at night, everybody thinking as eight years old of what you could do if you could do whatever you wanted to do, hang out with the cast of facts of life or host a talk show. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I've done both and yeah. not the whole cast, but like a couple of the them. Individually. members. Wow. Thanks. Anyway. So I did it. I'm like, what, well, what do I do now? Where do I look? Where, where's well, so my how compass was pointing? How was it? Everything. The talk show. Yeah. Exactly. Like you'd imagine. Exactly. Like your name's on the building. I actually, the first time I pulled in and it was like that. And the staff is looking up to me. I thought, are you comfortable with this? And I was like, absolutely comfortable. With this. <laughs> and I don't know if it's narcissism or, um, delusions of grandeur or just delusion being delusional <laughs> I don't know what it was but I was fine with it I loved it I've never felt more myself than I was leading a team mm-hmm. so who knows what's next so how do you feel now how do I feel now um I felt um directionless for a bit when did this happen um well it happened in June and then I did a show called life from E for the rest of the year because I had a contract at E and so I kind of just showed up to work and then at the end of the year, I got to really just sort of uh, uh, feel it. And I went away and, you know, I don't know, just I'm, I'm still kind of like coming out of it, but like, I'm good. I'm actually excited that so many opportunities, God, we are going deep, honey. I haven't even talked to this. I haven't talked to anybody about this, but my Salvador and, and my, my team. Um, I feel like, um, at first I felt, is anyone going to want someone? Am I washed up? You have to think about all that stuff. But then the good news is everyone's calling. You know, the phone is ringing, which is a good news. And it makes me excited. There are actually a ton of options. So it's good. I just went through a thing where yeah. I used to work with Adam Carolla. Yeah. And then I got fired very recently. Oh, I did um, not know that. Yeah. So it's okay, though. It's actually, it's a, it's a long story that no need to go into. How do you feel? Totally fine. I mean, there, there was the initial sting. Yeah. Um, because I didn't see it coming. Mm. However, now I have, so all this time to, to put into this podcast, which is, has been great. And I'm my own boss now. And I just, it's weird. Cause I, like I, I wouldn't have chosen it for myself. And yet I feel like it was the right thing based on the fact that I walk out of the house and I'm like, ah, da, 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 you know, yeah. um, so I feel good, but wait, why did I bring that up? I had a specific reason for bringing it up though. Maybe probably just, relating just, uh, to me. Oh no, I know. Yeah. Well, yes, that, of course. that, but no, I know what I was going to say is that there have been a lot of calls and there's been a lot of publicity because of it. I feel like you're never hotter than when you first get a job mm-hmm. and when you just lose a job. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And what you have to remember is that like the job of the day doesn't define who you are and what you've done. And right. that was a big thing for me to look back. Like if the show's gone, am I gone? And it was like, no, I think, you know, the, the, you look at the number of Twitter followers and the Instagram is like, no, those people know who you are and they're going to stick with you. And you have, you have a new, when you get a new gig, if you decide you want to do that, because what went through my mind was I'm so happy here at the house in Palm Springs. Why don't I open a shop called tchotchkes and just <laughs> sell shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? And just light a candle every morning. It smells divine. The locals will come in, put a bowl of water for the dogs and like, just have that life. Maybe, maybe I've checked the big thing off my list and that means I can just live a small life now. Does everyone, I think everyone in showbiz must have that leaving showbiz fantasy. Yeah. And that, cause I thought about Judy Garland, <laughs> you know, you think about Judy Garland, that bitch went through some shit. 
you know, and I feel like maybe I'm 2015's Judy Garland in a much less talented, gay, fatter way. <laughs> well, now if you're her, what would that mean? Um, it would mean that nothing can hold me down. And, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't mean that I'm going to die at like 43, but it means that like, like, you know, she had ups and downs and she lost jobs and this business was really cruel to her. And, um, I actually feel no connection with her in that way. At <laughs> I was going to say, do you feel like the business has been cruel to you? It, no, I feel like it's been good to me, but it's hard. Um, but I also feel like a very normal person in a very ridiculous environment yes you know what I mean so that's why I try to keep um that's why I don't relate to Judy because I feel like she was a showbiz kid anyway maybe it was a bad example but I actually <laughs> thought of her and thought you know she went through some shit and I can go through some shit and I'll be fine um <laughs> with your dad what happened yeah he, he died of cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma. it sucks yeah yeah what um I'm sorry you said you were how old I was 24 and he was 59 59 think about how close that is yeah were you guys close yeah Mm-hmm. very close but he got to see you have some success right? some success yeah it was the very beginning he was 2004 he died so he had talked a couple years of leno he was very proud and he got to come to my college graduation and all that stuff it was good and my mom and i talk like 18 times a day we're very close and very lucky and uh it's good that's good um hmm. i have had the, the thought before that if I lose my parents, I'm afraid, and this is a, I feel like this is an unhealthy thought, but it's okay. if I lose my parents for a little while, the world's going to lose meaning. Like it's important for them to see what I'm doing or for them to see me go through different things in life. And all of a sudden to not have them there and to just sort of feel like I'm just on my own, mm-hmm. even though I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm married, like I have family, I'm not on my own, but just this, this sense of I'll feel, um, at sea a bit. Did you feel that? Yeah, yes. In that, you know, when you're a child, it's like, Dad, look, look, Dad, look, 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 look. You're jumping in the pool. You want them to see you. Ref- the they're a mirror. Your your worth is reflected in, in right. them. Um, and I so you struggle with those moments when you want to pick up the phone. It's your gut reaction to call them. But um, I I I didn't have that in that term in terms that I felt meaningless. That it felt meaningless. No. Mm-hmm. Because it's always the drive comes from within me. I was never pushed by the, my parents to do any of this. Right. So that's why I, I don't know. I never I never felt that. Good. Good. And Good. I hope you I don't hope you don't lose your parents. I hope it soon. And I hope when you do that, um, you don't feel that way. Well, I'm working through it now. So I'll just be ship shape when it happens. You'll be right? good to go. Honey. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Although I've heard that as much preparation as you try to do in advance, it, you just can't really prepare until someone's gone. No, and it's over 10 years. It's uh, We just celebrated 11 years and, like, celebrated. We just marked 11 mm-hmm. years. And um, it still feels like a fucking punch to the gut. You know, every time I remember and I think, oh, fuck, he's dead? That sucks so bad. And, like, of course it's – I know it, but it's just – you never get used to it. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, moving on to something lighter. Mm-hmm. You split your time between L.A. and Palm Springs. Yes. It's such a show-busy thing to do. How it's, does that even work? <laughs> it's not at all a show-busy thing for me. It's just the first time I went to Palm Springs, if you haven't been, I feel I'm like the ambassador. I'm the future <laughs> honorary mayor, so I'll cut ribbons and stuff. Um, I I went there when, in 2002, I think, for the first time. I was a judge for Miss Teen USA. Leno stuff had just started, and mm-hmm. like NBC called, and they were like, Ross, do you want to be judge for Miss Teen USA? USA. I was like, how much is pay they're like nothing but you get a hotel room I was like sold <laughs> so I went out there and I dro- I'd never been and I drove and I rounded that corner there's this you when you run around the San Jacinto Mount- Mountains you, you go there on the 111 and I went 
where is this? I am home. I had no idea. And then I hit the streets and found out that everyone's gay and everyone's a senior citizen. And people <laughs> who aren't gays or senior citizens are fabulous and young and design and artists. And, and then some of them are tourists from Milwaukee and they're nice too. Right. But I just fell in love with it. I said, I will have a house there. And then I saved my money and I bought a house and then we just sold that house. We did a bunch of work and I just bought another house. And that house is like, it's nice. And I'll never leave there. And I'm up at 6am. I'm running errands. I have a smart car convertible that I drive that I leave there. So I can, <laughs> seriously, it's just, it's just the two of us, right? Mm. <laughs> I do the penny slots and then I do trivia at 4 p.m. Gay, trivia at a gay bar, uh, pop culture trivia, and then dinner and then bed about eight. Do you always win trivia? No. These pe- these men and men and women that I play against are seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> they are lovely. A lot of my friends um, are, you know, um, they're my people. And uh, I've won a few times. I've been a few times, but some of the, some of them were questions about like the war of 1812 and it's not fair because some of them were there. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you, like, how does that work? When do you go to Palm Springs? As often as I can. I look at my calendar and you know that when you work in show business, sometimes you work 37 days straight and sometimes you work two days and then you have four days off. Yes. So whenever there's a hole in my calendar, also I'll try to stack meetings on one day so I can go. We just went, we were there for six days. It's the bomb. It's the best. I lay on a noodle in the pool. <laughs> Okay, important logistical question. Do you leave a bunch of clothes there? Mm-hmm. Do you have like duplicates of stuff? I never thought I'd be the kind of person that had two houses, but you do leave, you try to leave things there. But then I still find myself, because I travel so much, just packing like I normally pack. I, I bring, like, for example, I bring like a toiletry bag with me. And I'm thinking, why don't I just leave? Like, just what does it cost? Two more dollars to have like a body wash there? What are you doing? So I'm trying to do that now. You know, I definitely would recommend you get for that house some mm. Sherry's Berries. Have you had Sherry's Berries? Do you know them? I know Sherry's Berries, and I actually love Sherry's Berries. They're so good. Love. Big, juicy, delicious, gigantic strawberries covered in dark chocolate. There's white uh, chocolate. There's milk chocolate. The white chocolate has dark chocolate swizzle or drizzle on it. Then there's the milk chocolate with nuts. There's a dark chocolate with chocolate chips. White chocolate is my favorite. Do you have a favorite? No, but I think you can say swizzle or drizzle. It's it's swizzle that's drizzled. I like a milk chocolate. They're all good. Yeah. Sometimes I like to crack into the chocolate and then peel it off and then eat them separately. Or I like to eat them together. You could, it's almost like an Oreo. You could really do it however you want. You're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can get them for 40% off from Sherry's Berries if you use my code BESTFRIEND when you order. Um, this makes a really wonderful Valentine's Day gift. Um, they just start at nineteen ninety nine, which again is over 40% savings. If you go to berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com, click on the microphone and type in my code BESTFRIEND. And for my listeners, you guys can double the berries for just $10 more, but you have to use the code BESTFRIEND. And by the way, when you go to the website, they have a ton of other stuff besides just the chocolate-covered strawberries as well. And I've given people gifts from uh, Sherry's Berries and they always love them and they have like chocolate covered pretzels they have cherries they have cake pops um, they have a ton of really cool stuff so here's the only way to get this amazing Valentine's Day deal giant juicy freshly dipped strawberries starting at nineteen ninety nine, or double the berries for $10 more visit berries b-e-r-r-i-e-s dot com click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in best friend go to berries dot com click on the microphone and enter my code best friend order today Ross says you should do it yeah and guess what my mom's listening I'm totally gonna send her Sherry's Berries just just cause just she will love you. them she will she'll freak out so is your mom still in farm country mm-hmm. and the house I grew up in when I go wow. up there and visit I stay in the bedroom I grew up in except now my Latin lover comes with me <laughs> wish I had a Latin lover <laughs> when did Living you in. when did you meet him 
Salvador and I, six years we've been together, um, and he's fantastic, and he's a wardrobe stylist, so he styles me and, like, styles some other people, um, and uh, he's great. He makes life wonderful, and we have three dogs. It's pretty gay. Louise, Miho, and, wait, don't, Audrey. Is that right? You did your homework. Just about your dogs. I know. <laughs> My dogs are pretty great. Pretty great. They're pretty adorable. Yeah. I'm in love with Audrey. Well, now listen. So they're all like mutt mutts from the streets. Okay. So Salvador and I had Louise and Miho forever. And we always walk by like animal adoption fair. because I like to look at them. Mm-hmm. I was like, hi, hi, get a little treats, right? Make a little thing. So um, one day we were, we went to brunch in Pump Springs and we got a little like, um, how should I say it? Fucked up on mimosas. <laughs> we were just a little like, oh, we were walking home. And um, I said, oh, let's go look at this. Let's go look. And um, there was Audrey. And she looked at me and I said, can I, can I hold her? And they said, yeah. And I picked her up and she went and her, her like Aww. head fell on my chest. And I looked at Salvador. I go, uh, congratulations. We just got another one. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so I put her down. I started walking away. And I said, listen, I'm in. You can be out if you want. I turned around and went back. And we have what just, would that have meant if he was out? Bye. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, he just knew I was serious. You know, like that. I when I feel things in my gut, I go for them. And she's like, she's like my barnacle. They're all I love them all. And it's but it's really fun to see Audrey um, come around. What what kind is she or what kinds? is she, she? Okay, so Louise is like a multi poo, and Miho is a chihuahua. He's three and a half pounds of perfect, Aww. and Audrey's like a min, min pin something something. I actually Santa bought them all the DNA doggy <laughs> DNA test. Do you see, is it dog urine you test? Is that how no, what? Uh, no, you swab their mouths. Oh, okay. I'm, well, I thought maybe you dip a stick in their urine. That would I'm be okay. Sixty seven percent sure that you swab their mouths. <laughs> I'm, I just assumed you swabbed their mouth. That, it's, that makes more sense, yeah. actually. There's probably more DNA there. So Santa had brought that for them. We're going to do it and um, send it in. <laughs> we just haven't done it yet because you're in Palm Springs. I would totally do that. Yeah. You went to uni- University of Laverne, yes? Yeah, in the I Inland Empire. lived in Claremont for four years. Yes. So when I saw University of Laverne, I thought, Why? Well, I was in speech and debate as well as drama in high school and choir. Thank you very much. And I um, was really good at debate and they gave me this scholarship. And so I was like, honey, you paying? I'm showing up. I mean, and it was as about as far away from Mount Vernon that I was comfortable going. Uh, Mount Vernon, Washington, where I grew up. And um, it was near Hollywood. So there you go. Did you like it? I loved it. Um, still friends with a lot of people. I mean, on Hello Ross, my roommate was a producer. Uh, on the show um and my best friend from from Mount Vernon uh growing up Taya is a writer on my show she's also on the podcast with me as well Tater Tot uh, I loved it great friends great people still really close with uh, a lot of them I do a lot with college and I loved it because there was literally like three-fourths of a mile from Chili's which is my favorite restaurant in the world Chili's if you haven't tried the queso dip you're not living your life you know, I used to frequent Chili's. Sure. Because um, there was one near near where I grew up. It's been ages since I've been to a Chili's. Oh, you no, no, no. You know what it was? There was one near where I grew up. And then I got this humongous crush on this guy that I met at a party in Redlands. I was 16. He was 23. Mm-hmm. Keep when, going. Finally, when he finally asked me out, my parents said no. Um, I'm surprised he ever asked me he out. Was 20, he was 23? He was 23 and I was 16. You but know, anyway. Well, that's not good. I know. That's not good that he asked you out. That's creepy. It's okay that you had a crush on him, but him having a crush on you is like uh, that was a lot. My parents' argument, yeah, yeah. Well, you, your parents sound like sound, reasonable people. They're sixteen years apart, though. So when I in my but was your mom eighteen or your dad eighteen when they got together? Yeah, they both were over eighteen. There you go. 
Okay, whose side are you on? I'm I'm a judge, <laughs> and I'm ruling in favor of your parents' <laughs> objection. This guy that I had a huge crush on, though, his last name was Callison, so I would have been Allison Callison. Never mind. I take everything I just right? said back. Thank Absolutely, you. Absolutely, you were right. Your parents were wrong, and I, I was wrong. So anyway, this guy. Allison so I Callison. met this guy at a party in Redlands, and his friend. Oh. Oh, look, it's, it's my it's mom. It's your mom. <laughs> you can answer it if you want. It's great content. I'm Do you serious. want to say hi? Sure. She'll be freaked out. Hold on. Hey, mom. Hi. Hi. I'm I'm on a podcast right now. Say hi to Allison. You're hi, on... Allison. Hi, Ross's mom. <laughs> so, um, can I can I call you back as soon as I leave? Absolutely. Okay. Talk to you later. Love you. you. Love you, mom. Bye. Love you. Bye. Um, I called her on the way here. We haven't talked all day. So oh. We were both panicking. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, this guy's friend worked at Chili's. So then we. So had wait, to go wait, to... wait. Mr. Callison's friend worked at... At the Chili's near my parents' house. I was so wrong. I've never been more wrong in my entire life. He would have had a friends and family discount and the last name of Callison. So we used to go there a lot because I think I was hoping to somehow run into him even though he lived in Redlands and this was down in Orange County. So it wasn't going to happen. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's been many years since I've been to Chili's. The quality has kept up. When you were fake dating your pedophile friend, did you ever try the queso dip? No, I never had that. This was back in the days of Awesome Blossom. I I don't even know if they had the queso dip. I don't really get anything else on the menu because it's like iceberg lettuce and like, it's not good. Yeah. That's not true. Please delete that. (laughs) I love Chili's. But the queso dip is worth the price of admission. Do you understand? I... I'm going to need to hear, hear more. Tell me about it. It's like a melted Velveeta mixed with a chili, and they serve it with a tortilla chip that is so thin. You, it's like a tissue, like a deep-fried tissue. <laughs> Do you understand? But it's just a vessel. But it stands up to the queso? Yes, okay. certainly. And well, that's a beautiful question, by the way. Thank you. But it certainly does. How's it served? A big bowl? In a, it's a queso skillet. So it's bubbling in a skillet with a little, like, mitt, um, like a oven mitt that's been made by... Like you bought it at a craft fair, fit perfectly over the handle of the skillet. I love that. Yes. Do you understand? This is, I'm this saying is actually making my... a lot because I want you to understand it's how good it is. It's becoming very real to me. It's actually making my mouth water. I think there's something about all the hot cheese and chili and then the tissue paper. Chip. Crunchy. Chip. Yeah. Perfectly salted. On a, on a recent episode, we talked at length about soup plantation. I think it's only fair that we talk at length about chilies. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're done, but I saying. used to live in L.A. before I moved in L.A. to a place. They put a soup plantation in next to me, and I was so overjoyed. And then I didn't go as much as I thought I would. And that's my story about soup plantation. thing with soup plantation. and uh, That didn't really lead anywhere, but I just want to <laughs> let you know. You think you want it next door, and you don't right. really go that often. No. It's uh, you can't go that often. It you creates a lot of gas. <laughs> It creates a lot of abdominal distress, which brings me to a question I wanted to ask. Sure. You have uh, a fourth grade fart incident? Because I have a fourth grade fart incident. Oh, yeah. You really went through the book. Did you just skim for fart stories? <laughs> That's what I always do. Yes. I was on a slide in fourth grade and I slid down and like the teacher was there. Like we were, I, I was kind of one of the kids that like hung by the teacher, like mm-hmm. the, um, the faculty member on duty. And so we were all hanging out and I slid down and um, farted. And someone goes, who farted? And I pointed at the little girl. And she was like a first grader. And I was like, she farted. And they were like, don't. Did you? And I would, like, I would not let up. I'm like, no, she farted. And that's gross. And that's unacceptable. And I went home that day. And I felt so bad that I didn't take ownership for my mistake. Did they then mock her? There was a, just a skosh. Like, just a min- <laughs> minimal amount. Because we were near the, the, the faculty member on duty. So there was right. like not a lot. I mean, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. 
but I felt bad about it. I mean, I would like to ask her how she felt about well, it. Well, I don't, I don't know what happened to that poor thing. I don't know. I think it probably stunted her entire childhood and all her social skills are, I mean, her, if she's even with us anymore, she could have, maybe she committed suicide yeah. because from of the, the, from the <laughs> your skosh could be her dab uh, yeah no could have been the, the pit that she fell into right sorry but i felt bad about it and it, those little things you know the things that like in your childhood that stay with you like they're monumental things but, yes like, they're not it was one of those things that i thought like in that moment i decided to be a good person to like really own my mistakes to try to do good things do good in the world it does sound like you felt a lot of guilt over what most people would think are pretty minor things like i'm thinking of you know you you stole a pair of pajamas from lane bryant yes that's true <laughs> and you felt terrible about it i still it. feel terrible about it i i worked at lane bryant which is a plus size clothing store for women and this is like this is a story i didn't even tell my mom until the book came out um um i had a, a hooligan boss who was a thief and she would steal at the end of every th- uh, shift and one day she said don't you want anything because i had mentioned that the pajamas which were in my defense quite unisex mm-hmm. they were like a gray and fit me i i fit perfectly into plus size women's clothing so i i was like yeah i do want those pajamas she said just put them in a bag and take them and i was like okay and then the next day i got called in and there was like a guy and they had like a scary guy from like their theft department and they had video of it and i had to like turn it in and did they really have video of it or was i don't he... know uh and then i thought again, about if, that he, if he knew that it was you though well i think maybe I don't know what happened. If they, I never she might have maybe turned on But you. I still, I will tell you this. I have said my apologies. And I am still to this day Facebook friends on the personal Facebook with my manager. Not the theft hooligan Kendra? manager. Okay. No, the person who replaced Kendra. And Kendra was a fake name. That's what oh. I called her in the book because I had to change people's names. Right. But, um, but that was funny, right? <laughs> uh, but the manager who is no longer at um, Lane Bryant, she moved across the hall to a different mall, but she's the manager there. And we're Facebook friends and she's forgiven me and we're good to go. Well, honestly, the way you, it, it, in the <laughs> book, when you explained that you fessed up right away and you're like, I've never done anything like this and I don't know why I did it. Yeah. I feel like it'd be hard to really hold a grudge against you. I mean, it was so clearly just sort of a youthful indiscretion that was out of character for you yeah yeah uh i still feel really bad about it i it still is the worst thing i think i've ever done see i feel really bad about things that i feel like other people it wouldn't even bump them just things where if i accidentally hurt someone's feelings or just all sorts of stuff that to me is like oh i'm not the kind i I sound like i'm blowing so much smoke up my own ass right now but the things where I'm like, oh, I'm not the kind of person who does that, but I was trying to be a different kind of person at one point or whatever. So there's like, you know, they accrue these little uh-huh. things that aren't a big deal to other people, but to you, they kind of eat you up inside. You know what bugs me? Which, which no, it doesn't bug me, but it makes me feel maybe the most guilty is when I go, like, when I'm like just being a normal, but I don't realize someone else is having a horrible day and they're putting on a front. And then I found out later they had a horrible day and I was just living in a normal life and I should have been more in tune with them. And then I think, wait, I thought I was like very aware of who I am in the world and here I has a, a, a wonderful day and this person have a shitty day and then I'm like but wait maybe they should just tell me they're having a shitty day so that I could have but I still feel guilty about it do you understand Things are you, you codependent mm, I don't know <laughs> do you think I am <laughs> 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 maybe a little bit <laughs> yeah that's all right no I mean I don't know I mean I think I am I like taking care of people. I like being the nurturer and the, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, see, but I would do that same thing too, where I would feel like I should have just known, I should have just felt the other person's feelings. But then there's an argument for, 
So I lost someone to suicide a long, long, long time ago, and I would sit there in my therapist's office blaming myself for not knowing. And she's like, you can't know something that someone chooses not to tell you. I mean, he really concealed it from the people close to – well, maybe not from all the people close to him. Maybe I wasn't as close to him as I thought I was. But he didn't – he did not let on at all to me, but I was just like, but I should have known. I should have known. Um so that was really drummed into my head that like, you can't know if someone chooses not to tell you. And unfortunately I've learned that lesson repeatedly in my life. These things like I've, I pride myself on being perceptive and being tuned in and knowing what's up. And then to all of a sudden learn there was something that was happening, you know, right in front of me. And I wasn't aware. I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling. Yes. It's like, it's like if someone walks into your bedroom and just to grab something while you're sleeping, it's like, uh, don't do that. Cause <laughs> I don't like things happening around me that I don't know about. Yes. that That's a big bother too. So I, I don't know if it's codependent. I think maybe we're just a little controlling. Yes, it might be that too. I was going to ask. Yeah. Do you find yourself to be mm-hmm. controlling? Mm-hmm. How does it manifest? I'm the conductor of like every situation that I'm in. I feel like I try. Like remember when the, when we start, started this and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, so she's okay. So she's going to be in control. So I'm just going to like sit and be the person. This is. I was still trying to conduct it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was going to conduct that you were in charge. <laughs> I totally get that though. I totally, well, so just, (laughs) so just recently I have, um, there have been some, there's been some press about me, which is exciting and flattering. Because of the Adam Carolla Yeah, because of all that. It's been in the trades. It's like, it's like weird to read about yourself. Like it's not you. Like it's one of those other people, right? Yes. And it's weird to be interviewed and it feels very scary and uncomfortable And I was a journalist for years and years and years. So it's not like I don't know how journalism works. And yet the minute, like I'll say something really just innocent. And then I'm like, oh, should I not have said that? I feel like that sounds wrong. And then I get all worried and I feel very exposed and vulnerable. And I think it's a control thing. I think it's that I'm comfortable asking the questions. I'm not comfortable being asked the questions as much. Sure. Do Do you think it's because you, are you, is there stuff that you can't say? There's stuff that I'm. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to take the high road. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's not like there's stuff I can't say. I just don't want to be perceived as slinging mud. Got it. Maybe I'll get past that at some point. You're trying to spin it. You're trying to like do the next step while you're in the first step. You're, yes. Like, maybe to tr- give them the answers, but also like, pl- please print it this way and make sure the headlines like this and then, <laughs> right. You're trying to like control that i'm i'm so conscious i'm worried about how every how everything i say is being perceived i mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you have that um sometimes sometimes yeah but i'm not I just i don't think i'm smart enough to worry about it <laughs> do you know what i mean i, I don't know <laughs> yes but no well, it's probably better not <laughs> that to makes sense yeah um Maybe I'm doing it now. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I don't want to be perceived as someone who wants people to think about what people perceive. Maybe. See, and I already regret having said that I was concerned about it. On my own podcast, I'm not. But yes. talking to a journalist is like a whole new thing for me. Sure. I get that. But speaking of politics. Go. You've done political reporting for E. Yes. I am. I love politics as much as I love pop culture. I mean, I check TMZ and then I check Politico in the same breath. Um I just have always loved it because it kind of feels like homecoming voting, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Homecoming court, the same re- the way that Oscars are too. You know, there's so much politics that go into that race. 
um, I love it. And I got to be the political correspondent for E um, at the Republican and uh, Democratic National Convention in 2012. It was really fun. Well, I was going to ask, is that something you want to do more of? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's kind of just for me. I don't even talk about it with my, my friends aren't really that political, so I don't even talk about it with them. It's just like this, I like keeping up with it and I like um, having my finger on the pulse you know just like I predict who's going to win the Oscar for best actress and I do all that I also predict the uh, the electoral college the map every year I missed one state in the past two elections which is pretty good which state I missed Iowa in 2008 and North Carolina this year that's um, that's quite impressive yeah I know <laughs> not to brag but I'm bragging <laughs> I just love it um, I'm into it do you feel like people know about this side of you because I think of you as much more pop culture than politics no I don't think they do um I've never but I've never really expressed it I other than when I asked to to cover this for for e-news I was really proud of the coverage we got written up in Washington Post I got to interview Michelle Obama got like 15 minutes with her which was longer than anybody I mean everyone there was CNN CNBC MSNBC on the floor of the convention looking at me interviewing her and I went down and Andrea Mitchell with NBC she goes how did you get that long with the first (laughs) like we just kind of liked each other so we talked um, I got uh, Nancy Pelosi, John McCain, uh, Cindy and Megan McCain. All these people. It was really fascinating. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. There was something that, that I, I um, related to a lot that you said, which is that when you have a mic, well, this is now my own words. Not, it's not how you said it. But when you have a microphone in your hand, you're fearless. Yes. Like you can do whatever, where it's without. Because that's what something I've noticed is that if I'm doing man on the streets or if I'm interviewing people, um, I can be much more outgoing sure. and unselfconscious versus in real life where I'm like twiddling my thumbs and absolutely want to die. Think about it. Meeting a celebrity. If I, if I see Brad Pitt in Starbucks in line, I go like this mental note. There's fucking Brad Pitt right there. <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait to tweet this and tell everybody I know that. But if I have a microphone and Brad Pitt is there, I run up to his face. Oh, I do this interview. So, but it's just, I would never behave like that in the real world. You just wouldn't. You're, you're on stage. Yeah, you described you with a microphone as like an amped up version of yourself, right? Yes. I mean, I am excited. And so, because people are like, is that really you? And and it's especially in the early days. I mean, I was this kid from a farm town who went to a, a college a college uh, classroom to the red carpet interviewing Julia Roberts and all these Oprah and all these people. Of course I was excited. Um, and I think you can see in the past 13 years, like I honed my professional broadcasting skills um but uh yeah i'm just excited about that but it is it's a a little amped up because you are 110 percent. so that's a crazy story how you interned for Mm -hmm. jay leno which Mm -hmm. was your first foray into being near tv production right Mm -hmm. and then on your last day they decided to put you on camera how did that happen well um to go back to that story 13 years ago i well i had always wanted to be on television i when i was eight years old i would like turn off like turn off the volume when like ricky lake would throw a commercial and i do it for her i always wanted to toss the commercial and talk to celebrities that's that was it so i always say i want to be a talk show host and that's why i got my internship there in college which was a freak story but it just happened and um uh my last day i almost didn't go because i had my letter of recommendation already you know when you get that you're like i'm good Mm -hmm. now i'm good to go and that internship was pretty unglamorous yes it was unpaid um we weren't allowed to sit uh you you weren't allowed to sit no oh wow there was no sitting 
Um, you were running tapes. You were stocking the fridge. You were taking out the garbage. You were stocking uh, the printer. I mean, it was like embezzling was, lunches. I, yeah, I did do that. I learned. I, you read the book. I and I had a whole uh, scheme going where I would steal free lunches, which maybe was the second worst thing I've ever done. You're like, <laughs> we really tapped into two of my right. my only theft. I want stories. people to see your hardcore side. Thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm on the mean streets of Burbank. Um, and then my, my, they called me in on that last day and said, can you go to the head writer's office? I actually thought that the jig was up, that they had found out I was stealing free lunches and they were going to like throw me in prison, but they didn't. They said, you it's know, like the same guy from Lane Bryant. It's like, we have tape, <laughs> <laughs> a well, turkey club. It didn't Walked go out very here. well the first time that I got caught stealing. So, but this time they said, we, we've been paying attention. We think you're funny. Do you want to go cover the, um, paying attention to just your vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so Well, flattering. I had asked like, you know, like if I'm in a hallway, you notice, and then I, um, I had sort of asked, um, Hey, I know that I'm like taking out the garbage and stuff, uh, but I'm doing this for free. Is there any chance I could, I don't know, have a conversation with the writer or something so I can just like pick their brain. And so they did like a, a mass email. One writer said, yeah, that would be fun. And so I sat down with him and talked to him. And then he and the other one were the ones that said, you know, a comic had been booked to cover the Ocean's Eleven premiere. And they said, you know who's actually funny? Because the comic backed up. They said, Ross. And then that writer and I did all my segments, a hundred and some on Leno. And then he became my head writer on Hella Ross. Isn't that amazing? That is so cool. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the day that they, your last day. Well, they, they, they pulled me in and said, do you want to go cover this? And I was like, eh, yeah. And so I just got in a van and went. And um, it actually was like one of those amazing things. And it sounds so like, whatever, but it was one of those moments where like, I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, just, 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 we're going to roll on you. So I was like, this, this is it. I actually thought to myself, oh, this is how it's going to happen. And so I just did my thing and just like went full tilt. And then afterwards, like they all like that writer, Anthony, and they all just said like, we just feel like we just witnessed something. Like we don't even know what this is, but we just witnessed something. So they brought the footage back and before they even edited it together and it aired before any of that, they asked me to do another one. And I did that. And before that one aired, they asked me to go cover the winter Olympics in Salt Lake city. So I'd ask my professors cause I was in college and while I would be doing a live shot back to NBC that we do pause and I'd be like working on my paper next to me <laughs> on a laptop and then go back. And then, um, I came back and did the Oscars and then I came back and then just went on and on and on. That and must on have been end. so exciting. It was really unbelievable because that was the height, uh, in terms of ratings in, in NBC, uh, late night with Leno. I mean, Leno was number one ever since, you know, the Hugh Grant thing to the end, but those were when NBC was really raking it in. And so they had tons of money to fly us everywhere. And uh, especially during the Olympics, that were broadcasting Leno during prime time. So it was like this crazy time where I went from nothing to, you know, walking the streets and people knowing my name. Very weird. Did you, um, okay, so they would shoot you and then would they go back and edit it or did you help to craft it? In the beginning, they would go back and edit it. Um, I know how to edit because I did that all through college. So then I would ask, can be part of it? Can I be? And they, these people became my family and my friends. So they wanted me to do well too. And they came in, they saw I knew what I was doing. And then it would be that I would uh, edit with them. And then I became, in addition to a correspondent, a um, creative consultant to the show. And so I would pitch ideas and edit them. Um, and it, I mean, so I eventually became very involved in the creative process. Did you go through a phase after your very first time of then doubting yourself at all? Cause I know that for me, like if I, the first time I do something scary, if I knock it out of the park, then there's this almost rebound effect of, I start really overthinking it and I get up in my head. Like I had that with stand up, which I didn't continue with. Um, but I, I feel like I've had that in other things I've done in my life where it's like once I feel like oh I've got this I can do it then I start to doubt myself for just for a little while no 
I don't not at that. all. No. Oh, right. No, because the subtitle of your book is uh, Tales of Delusional Self-Confidence. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but it really comes down to when I said before that I'm not smart enough to do that. I just don't have that overthinking. I can think just enough. You know, <laughs> I don't have that overthinking thing at all. So, no, I just think um, I'm, it's just delusional self-confidence. I think, great, another one. Okay, fun. Let's do this, this. And then when it's done, it's done. I just have moved on. Do you have insecurity about anything? Um, oh, a physical insecurity, your body, this um, insecurity. Um, I mean, yeah, that stuff. But insecurity, um, n- not when it comes to my ability to do what I do. And to be, my, I'm lucky enough that my job is just to be me. Yeah. And that's like a job, the only job that I know I can do. So no, I don't. I, I envy that and I admire that. Well, it's just happened. It's like having brown <laughs> eyes. I didn't do it. It just is. But thank you. Um, do you go to Vegas very often? No. Well, yes. <laughs> I didn't know it was a read. I, do, I wish a I should read. I should what? go to Vegas. I just want to talk. Oh, sorry. Openly about something that I'm in love with, which happens to be Vegas.com, which is a travel site where everyone who works there lives in Vegas, goes to things in Vegas. They know Vegas inside and out. And I don't know if you're like me. Apparently not. Well, in let me this tell you. Regard specifically. <laughs> I just want to say I've had many conversations lately about how we need to go to Vegas more. I would recommend Vegas.com. Thanks, because I'm clueless. What is that website again? It's Vegas.com. And here's the thing. Whenever I'm walking around Vegas, I'm like, I know that there are people who are having amazing times here who are paying a fraction of what I've paid because they're hooked up and they are somehow getting some kind of yeah, amazing that deal. I look where you go, where'd you, what website did you go to? Exactly. Man? I think they went to Vegas.com because they have a proprietary drop watch tool, which promises the lowest rates on hotels. And it, cause it continually monitors the price even after you book your hotel. And then it notifies you of changes to ensure you get the best deal. If you, you can book at a lower rate, or if you book at a lower rate, then they'll refund you the difference. They do the work for you. They save you money on shows. Um, they have It's more than just hotels, shows, tours, attractions, VIP bottle service at top clubs, pretty much uh, any kind of experience you want to have there. So go to Vegas.com right now, and when you book, hotels, shows, vertical zip lining off the Rio, enter my code BESTFRIEND in the promo box at checkout and get an extra 10% off everything but air hotel packages. That's Vegas.com, and get your bonus savings with my secret code BESTFRIEND. Sorry, right. I'm on uh, Vegas.com right now booking a trip. So give me a second. Perfect. Just one second. Perfect. S- okay, and sent. I'm I'm going. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So what else should we talk about? What else do you have going on? Well, I just want to make sure that, and I want to talk to you, one, because I think you're great, and two, because um, you're doing the podcast, and you know, I'm 10 weeks into my podcast, and I'm so proud of it, Straight Talk. And I think that uh, people who understand podcasts will really love it because we're, it's so intimate. You know, we, yeah. we talk you feel to like them. you're You feel like you're hanging out with you and your friends. Exactly. And that's actually exact what I'm doing. I hang out with my best friend, Tater Todd, who I went to like high school with in junior high. Um, and I'm hanging out with Daria, who I used to work with at Leno. She's my co-host. She's great. And then my manager, Mark, who is like my Baba Booey, is there. He's the most ridiculous person I've ever met. We just kind of shit on him the whole show. But then, <laughs> but then we take your calls. And so it's me giving straight talk on pop culture and current events and giving straight talk to these people who need help. You know, a lot of the people have really shitty friends who don't tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, you know, I heard someone call in a teenager. You listen? Yeah, I did. To my show? I do. You did? A, te- oh, yeah, a teenager called in. That makes me so You happy. wanted to talk to him about the fault in our stars. Yes. But he just wanted to talk about his AP classes in high school. I know. I know. <laughs> That's so disappointing. The youth. I don't know what's going on. But the fault in our stars. Seriously? Seriously? No joke. Shailene Woodley should have been nominated for an Oscar. I didn't I think- see it. Should I see it? It'll wreck me, right? 
you need to see it. You need to stop. We need to shut this down right now and you need to turn it on. <laughs> if I would have known, I would brought it for you. I have it at the house. Really? Yes. But is I'm, I'll just be a puddle at the end, right? Yeah. I was on a plane and it wasn't pretty. I one time drunk watched Seabiscuit on a plane coming back from New York. <laughs> and that was the worst I had been before watching Fault in Our Stars. Sober on a flight. I had to do a charity event. I was flying from a gig in New York to Miami where I was going to get off the plane and run straight on stage. And I was a fucking shit show. Because this this movie just got me. I don't know why. I well, mean, cancer kids, believe right. it or not. But, <laughs> but it also was just like, they were so legit good. Like, such strong characters. I'm like, I know I sound like a voter from the MTV Movie Awards. I get it. Okay, I'm, <laughs> pushing, I'm pushing refresh on fault. Or stars. You need to watch it. <laughs> All right. How early on in the whole experience will I be a puddle? Will it be like Les Mis where I start crying opening music? No. Okay. No. No. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There was a moment because I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch this because I've seen every other movie on this plane. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh. I made that noise. Oh. Oh. It's just like so adorable. And then it then it gets you. All right. Do I'll watch it. See, I'm getting water. I'm I know about it. You are stupid. I don't know if I can handle that. You can handle it. I don't know if I can. You're strong enough. Oh, thank you. Sometimes you need a good cry. Too. I know. Because at the end of it, you don't have cancer. You know what I mean? I mean. Not yet. <laughs> but so anyway, this kid felt he's in five AP classes. Yes. And oh, your you're advice. The, this caller. Right. The, yeah. What you, did I say to him? Your advice was you're, you said that you had dropped out of one of your AP classes. Yes. You always regretted it. Yes. I did. And your advice was, Hey, you have a talent. Use it. Like you're good at, you know, it's going to be hard, yes. but do it. And I thought that was interesting because I also did a bunch of AP classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really stressful. Mm-hmm. And, Sometimes I remember at the time and for years after thinking, was it really so important to get there first? Meaning was it so? Yes, I I took classes a year or two years before my classmates. And was that so important to do? Well, you're missing the point. The point wasn't that you finished an AP class and you got there, whatever there is. first. (laughs) The point is, is that you did something really hard that you were proud of. Okay. And you understood what that takes. It takes dedication, hard work, and then it's worth it at the end. And you, you can apply that process. Take right. out the variables of that it was AP English and you got a B. That doesn't <laughs> matter. What what matters is anything that you want to do is going to be really difficult. But if you do it and you do it right, you're going to be proud of it. And if you apply that to, to life, you're going to be fine. God, I wish I had known you in high school. Well, there you go, honey. Well, listen, <laughs> I, but I know that because I didn't do it. You know, my book is Man Up. And I say, you know, there's a lot of definitions of Man Up. But manning up in that moment in the AP, because what happened was I did this AP English class and I was like, this is like really hard. I'm like, I don't know. And like, so then I was like, maybe I should just go back. And I went back to regular English and I was so fucking bored because it was like so dumb. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, why didn't, just because like what, it was hard, you know, and I just regretted it so much. And so I, ever since that, those little moments when you just challenge yourself. Right. And then there are moments like when I talk about doing debate in high school, when I worked really hard and I was really good at it and I like, I won state. Right. And that process has prepped me for everything that I've ever done in show business. So it all, it's not about what you achieve. It's about achieving. Yes. Yeah. And I think that when you, sometimes it's hard to challenge yourself. It's hard to choose the uncomfortable thing, but the alternative feels shitty. Yeah. How about not doing anything? Right. How about being like never achieving your potential? feel shitty when you do that yeah so i choose the other one eh does that make me sound annoying no okay i don't think so a little i was annoyed by myself a little bit i mean i'm still thinking about stuff i said way earlier and thinking maybe i should have said that so just to let it all hang out Hilarious. let's do i forgot what i said already oh. 
I need some of that. Mm-hmm. Let's do just me or everyone. This is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? This is amazing. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Doc- I also love your um, use of theme songs because we do this a lot on Straight Talk. We have we have theme songs for just about everything. So congratulations. Thank you. No, thank I kind you. Of, I love no thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't believe you just let it go right there. Dr. <laughs> Heelan says, just me or everyone, bothers me in movies when the cook tastes the pasta sauce directly off the wooden spoon, then throws the spoon back in the pot. Yeah. It's not just in movies, but they do that like on cooking shows too. Yes. Yeah. I think you should trade out your spoons. You know what I mean? Or at least do a rinse. Right. Okay. I know you're the cook. You're in charge. But I don't want to eat your spit. What I've learned from every cooking show is that it is vital that they taste throughout the you whole have process. You taste your food. Amber, I watch Amberelle a lot. Mm-hmm. She's Secrets of a Restaurant Chef on the Food Network. I quite like her. She's the one that has like um like a big big, big, big bird hair. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, and I know. She always she's like it. female guy fieri hair. Yes. And she goes, you got to salt it. Why? Because it makes it taste better. And then she says, you, gotta, you have to taste your food all the time. Like, I was. She probably says it twenty-seven times that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They drive. They drive the point home. Yeah. Um, I was obsessed with Next Food Network star. Do you know that I was a judge on that? <gasps> For, mm-hmm. Wait, when? Which season? The pr- this the most recent season, the oh. premiere episode. I don't think I saw the most recent. When? When did this happen? Like I um, fell off of that show. It was like uh, uh, June. How was it? Okay. I'm gonna have I mean, to go it was find this episode. It was everything. I mean, I was sat and like talked about food with Giada and Bobby Flay. And, you know, uh, Bob um, Tushman and... Um, and Susie uh, with great hair. F- Fogels. Yes. Fogel, yeah. mm-hmm. Fogelman. Yeah. Fogelson. We email. We. You and Susie? Did, you uh-huh, and Suze? Uh-huh. And I've emailed Bob Tushman, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. Susie read my book. That's I'm an I, elite club. That's when I felt like I really had done something. Yeah. Yeah. She read it because I sent it to her. That's, a, that's <laughs> She didn't, like, pick it up. Right. Well, still. For the record. But still. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Fat Tony BMX says, always wonder how the hell birds get inside airports. What do they eat and drink in there anyway? I don't think I've ever seen a bird in an airport. You have. I have. And there's those moments when you think, oh, you should write a children's book about, oh, something else happened. You know, like I (laughs) move on. But uh, birds in airports, seen them multiple times. And what are you talking about? What do they eat or drink? There's all that garbage and food around there. And Sparrow. It's (laughs) Sparrow. Hudson News, Sparrow. There was, can I say something about Sparrow? Yeah. I don't eat at Sparrow. I don't think I ever have. Okay, because I used to work at McDonald's, and then I was promoted to McDonald's Express in the mall, mm-hmm. and we were opposite at Sparrow's, and the rumor was that the um, the manager put something really gross in the crust. Can I, it was, you can say what you think it was. Really? That's what the rumor through the whole mall was. And so then I'm like, are you, that is the grossest thing I've ever heard. And I make it ru- almost ruined pizza for me. Luckily there's you know a bunch of other places, but on my break, I got like 15% off because I was in the, you know, the Cascade Mall family. I would have loved to go on to Sparrow, but I don't. To and that's day. kept you off of it to this day. Sure. Yeah. 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 True. Do you think there's any truth to it? I doubt it. But I thought about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's still going through my head. I know. Marv Earthling says, just me or everyone, wonder what a person's goodbye means. Example, bye-bye, see you later, take it easy, catch you later, peace. Just um, I think I, I think I notice it. What's, what's your goodbye? Bye. <laughs> That's really yeah, it. I think I just say, okay, bye. You know what? Whenever I leave someone a voicemail, which where, where do you come down on voicemails? A lot of people don't ever leave them anymore. They're like, the person sees that I 
called, but I feel like, but if you don't leave a message, then I don't know if you want me to call you back. But if you leave a message, it's also possible I'm not going to listen to it for like six days. Here's what I do. Uh, if you call me and leave a voicemail, I call you and say, hey, I didn't listen to your voicemail. What's up? <laughs> but if someone does that to me, I think, why are you making me do this again? Yeah. I already did. I already had this conversation with you. You weren't there, but I check your phone. Right. Um, but I'm guilty of it all the time. I remember a friend had an interview and she wanted my advice about what to wear for the interview. And I left her a detailed message about that. And then we were texting and she said she hadn't listened to the interview. I mean, not to the interview, to the message yet. And I had that feeling of like, why did I waste all that breath? Yeah. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. So I, I understand people who just like don't leave a message and, and you, you saw that I called. So you'll call me back. I understand it. I mean, for me, the best way to get in touch with me is actually texting or email. Yes. I will see that faster. Do you remember before we had texting? Like texting When we actually new. had to use the phone? Yeah. First time we went to London was 2002 or three, And I was sitting in my hotel room and they were like, text this number to call. <laughs> I was like, text? What? What's a text? And then I feel like I blinked and everyone's texting. Like mm-hmm. Bunka, who's what we call my grandma. She's texting me. <laughs> everyone's texting. I remember I had this Nokia phone. It was this the first cell phone that everyone had sure. pretty much. And I didn't have the ability to text, but I could receive texts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, to go back to it, this was not the guy whose last name was Callison, but there was this other guy that I was like sort of not really seeing, um, but hanging out with a little bit. And he would text me. I remember he texted me and he said that he saw, oh, blanking on his name, the guy who played Dylan on 90210. Luke Perry. Yes. I think he said that he saw Luke Perry at the airport. I even That's remember so cool. the text. That's so cool. And I was just like, oh, why is it? But I didn't know that that meant. I feel like in retrospect, he liked me because he was texting me not unimportant things. I don't think. Well, two things. I don't know that he liked you. And two, it's not <laughs> unimportant that you saw Luke Perry at the airport. So I'm just saying there was a lot of getting in touch with me via text in the interim in between when we saw each other. But I didn't. I didn't text and I didn't have the ability to text from this phone. I could only see them. Mm. So I was just always like, hmm. I feel like contact means something. Yeah, I think texting opens up. Um, like for me, I can think of one crucial moment when I began, Dallas Seven and I began dating, where there was a text where it was said, thing was said that it was too uncomfortable to say in person. And it really opened us up to something new. Because you can, you know, you can, I don't want to look you in the eye and say this, but I can send this because it needs to be said text i think it's really changed how we communicate not was just this like, like an i love you text or was this no it was like a, um i don't want to get into it it's personal all right mm-hmm. i mean if i'm just gonna come <laughs> here and talk about someone what putting his man sauce in the uh crust but you don't want to get personal <laughs> fine <laughs> flutterby bb says after a traumatic injury like a paper cut or stubbing a toe i almost pee my pants Oh, goodness. on occasion, sure. You've done this. I mean, I can I can relate to the feeling of feeling like I'm going to pee my pants because I'm in so much pain. Nope, nope, nope. I don't. You're just more stoic. Okay, you what? You're just more more stoic. Yeah. Uh, no, I I feel pain, sure, but no, I never never thought I was going to pee. Cause have you ever Have you ever had an accident where you peed your pants? Mm, not in adulthood. No. I have a hearty bladder. Really I'm proud of it. Yeah. How long can you go? Well, I had to go to the bathroom when I got here because I was like in traffic for an hour. Oh, you should have gone. No, but see, I've held it this whole time, but it's still there. Right. Are you uncomfortable? Mm, I'm uh, uh, like, I can see uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll be there. Like uh, any, uh, like I call uncomfortable and be like, I'm not that far. <laughs> You're rounding the corner of being uncomfortable. Mm, I'm further than that. 
Oh, you are uncomfortable. No, I, no, no, no. I'm further away oh, from the corner. Okay. From uncomfortable. But you can see the corner. Like my GPS is like, like it's like a couple miles. So like 20 minutes yeah. from uncomfortableville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I find that by the time I realize I'm uncomfortable and I need like this, my husband realized early on when I say I need to pee, I need to pee mm. because it's, I think that he thought it was like a, Oh, Hey, in the next 45 minutes, could we pee? And I'm like, no, in the next five minutes. Yeah. Where are you going to need to find a bathroom? I come to the realization and then I have a good 30 minutes. So I have to go. I envy your bladder Thanks. along with your uh, not overthinking things. Okay. Boner genocide says occasionally feel like someone is reading my mind. So I think of something funny that way. If I hear someone laugh, I know <laughs> brilliant, but no, it's yeah, just you. I don't have that one. Z Indy says, yes, you can rinse a detergent container 15 times and it comes out crazy sudsy every time. I think that this was a response to something we had talked about, which is, the feeling like you can't ever rinse soap containers. Yeah. I've had that feeling as well. And it's always shocking, but then I just move on. <laughs> I have it like I have in that moment that wow. And then I forget. It doesn't keep you up at night. Nope. All right. Ashley says, just me or everyone. This time of year makes me miss my school days. I miss, oh, this was, she sent this on in, on December 30th. I miss being released of obligations for two whole weeks. I, I did, you know, the school days structure that I miss is having a whole summer off. Yeah. Although I was always excited to go back to school. I'm not a summer person. I don't enjoy August. I don't enjoy hot weather. I don't enjoy summer activities. I don't like hot weather either, but I, but I like, I don't know. I look back at school now and I kind of think like, how dare you? You know, like how, in what you, way? Like you give me an assignment and a day that it's due. How dare you? How dare you decide what grade I'm getting? How dare you tell me to raise my hand if I have no other, <laughs> how dare you like yeah. the whole thing to me is how dare you uh, but I loved it do you feel like how dare you about being a child um certain parts of it now that I look back I just think like god I wish I would have had like some balls back then to just to say how dare you like can you imagine if if you asked like I remember instances of like when I had to like go and be like I gotta go to the thing and they're like wait till the bell it's like seven minutes it's like how dare dare you even though now an adult have a very strong bladder but like back then yeah but back then I feel like I had to go it just like uh, permission how dare you and how dare you like you're serving so you're serving fish sticks well maybe I don't like fish sticks and maybe there's a burger joint on the corner how dare you tell me I can't go get a burger I don't deal well with that I don't deal well with being told what to do either Mm. do you think there's value in kids being uh made to ask permission though absolutely I think the teachers did everything right I'm just saying how dare you yeah they were right in every way but how dare they a huge watershed moment for me was turning 16 and being able to drive myself yeah 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 making your own decisions and then realizing oh hey I never have to take a PE class ever again that was a huge thing huge huge that's why adulthood for me has been so much better than being a kid is this feeling of like oh I don't have to be pushed around by adults anymore yeah I decide yeah yeah I like that pressure but I still I still um will listen to authority figures too much like I'll, I can easily be pushed around by a doctor. I just mean like, like it's impossible to get a doctor on the phone. And then when I do, like I ask my question and then I don't really get the answer that make, 
an answer that makes sense, then I'll be like, okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> like As authority. A, yes. It makes you nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that? I, I did have that until I became an author. Once you become the boss of something, you're like, oh my God, these people don't know what the fuck they're doing either. <laughs> and you're fine. It helped me. It's like I used to be afraid of skydiving or heights and then I went skydiving and then I wasn't scared of skydiving anymore. Is that why you went skydiving? Mm, I went skydiving because it was a segment on Leno. I never would have done it in real life, but I'm glad I did. How was it? Because I will never do that. I think everyone should do it one time. One time and never do it again. Uh, it was uh, uh, exhilarating. It really was. It was something else. Was it scary as yeah. all get out? Oh my God. I was screaming. I did it tandem because you have to do it tandem where you're attached to somebody when they do it. And I was screaming no the entire time. <laughs> what was the scariest moment? Was it right before or was it as you were hurtling through space? It was as you were hurtling. Well, the the flight up, it's like insta-poo. Like you've, it's just, it's <laughs> happening. It's like, they're like, you know, like the, when the percolator and the coffee starts making that noise, yes. it is, that is happening in your body and it, because it's, it's against nature. And then, um, and the, is the door open in the plane? They open at a certain point and that is Ugh. like, it drops, everything drops out of you. And then the part that's really frightening is the part between when they, all of a sudden you realize you start like spinning in circles. Cause you realize like that fucker jumped. I was screaming, no. And he jumped. Right. <laughs> and then you're, and then your face. Cause I have like a double chin situation. Your face, like mine folded back. They don't tell you about like, don't, oh, by the way, don't breathe in because there's, you know, 800 million forces of like oxygen being thrust at you. So my face folded behind me and like my lungs filled with like, like that. Right. And then you're thinking, oh my God, if the chute doesn't open, this is it. So think about everything you want to think about right now. Like, think about like, <laughs> I love the moment and I love this and I like this and I'm happy and happy. And then all of a sudden the chute opens and it's, then it's magical because it's just nothing, the noise, but like it's quiet. All you hear is like, mm -hmm. like the parachute flapping and like you see your legs and I jump from 13,500 feet and then it's just like you see the world and it's beautiful. So everyone should. How I just long, wasn't prepared. How long is it between when you get thrown out of the plane and when the chute opens? You like free fall for almost a minute before the That's parachute That's a long, opens. long time. Yeah. What does it feel like though? Death is around I mean, how the long? Corner. Does it feel like 10 minutes or does it feel like- Oh, no, like no, no, no. Oh, um, it feels simultaneously like a second and an hour. Was your mom cool with you doing this? She didn't know. <laughs> she actually was down there visiting with me and I was like, oh, I have to go um, shoot a quick segment. And then she's like, okay. And I was like, oh, we'll get dinner afterwards. And I came back and I was like, I don't want to, I never want to. And then I took her to dinner, told her what I did. And she was like mortified, mortified. Um, Rocky, it was a great segment. Rocky 4228 says, I seem to retain more heat by lying on my stomach in bed than on my back. No, I don't have that. Mm-mm. I don't know. Well, um, yeah, maybe. You maybe. think you do? I think I'm like laying on my stomach. I'm thinking like, I definitely like feel the heat more than, yeah, I think I do. All right. Well, perfect. So something <laughs> I wanted to ask. So Chelsea Handler saw you on Leno and then is that how you started working with her? I started working with her and I love, by the way, I love her so much. And when I talked about that, I mean, that's not the only reason Hella Ross went away, but it was a large reason, you know, she was no longer working with them and, um, it was one of the reasons I love her with all my heart. She has been so good to me. I met her with during Leno. She had also done a couple correspondent things. And then we met, we were performing at um, an improv in Tempe, Arizona. And we just like, we're the same kind. We were, the, we were so polar opposite, but the same amount of ridiculous in different directions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so we just like, we made each other laugh and then she got her show and Jesse to be on it. And then uh, I did that show 192 times. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Do you miss it? Um, 
Yeah, I do because uh, it was so special. It was time for it to go. Like everyone, I think it, it made sense. Um, but it was really special, especially in the early days when it was like such a rebel and an underdog. And she talked you into stand up. Is that right? She, uh, I met her doing stand up, and she thought I was really good at it. And so she asked me to start opening for her and doing stuff. I never loved stand up. I've never felt like a true comic. I mm-hmm. feel like most of what I do is um, off the cuff, you know, and it's just spontaneous and it's more storytelling. And that's why even now I do theaters, like my podcast, a straight talk. That's uh, I do a straight talk show where it's like forty five minutes of comedy, and then in the audience, and that's so fun. But um, the stuff in the audience is the most fun part. Um, I, I just I, I didn't feel comfortable, so she kept asking me to do more stand up, and I was just like, it's not my thing. There, I, the clubs for me just felt um, like drunk people who didn't know who you are with their arms folded, like make me laugh, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, eh, I'm good. Yeah, all right, kid. Uh, so I stopped. Do you think you'll go back to it? No, that's, I think that's how I feel about it. It's yeah. just. I think I could, I mean, obviously I, I never really did it like any sort of real stand up. Um, but I think that if I wanted to, I think that I could do it, mm-hmm. you know, it would take a while, but I think that I could do it. But I just, the last, my, my last stand up thing I did, I remember looking at my watch thinking, Oh good. By 10 o'clock, this will be over. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Well, my manager and, and agent, I get, I get asked to do it a lot. And I say, I don't do stand up. And they go, I hate to tell you, but you do an hour and a half on stage telling jokes that stand up. But in my mind, it's not, it's a different thing. You know, I did a whole tour for man up for the book and it was hilarious, but then they got like poignant a couple times. It felt more like, it feels more like a one man show to me than. So when you do the straight up live show, straight talk, yeah. straight talk. Sorry. No worries. Have I I'm said not Paula Abdul? <laughs> uh, no, you have, you've been saying straight talk. Don't worry. Thank God. <laughs> um, when you go into the audience, what do you do? Well, it's hilarious. I, uh, with the man up, the last brother show was always that. And it's supposed to go 30 minutes or it's supposed to go like 20 minutes. And it always goes like 30, 45. Cause it's just so much fun. I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm really good at that. So in that it was like, you could ask me anything. And that's still the truth with straight talk as well. But then there's also like the advice spin people, uh, if they can, submit they can tweet me stuff that we can at the beginning of the show when you walk in you can submit a question and put it in like a bin so if nobody's in the mood right away we pull that out we also do a dating game uh live at the thing oh fun uh-huh with How two single work? people uh it's it's always like a, a shit show but hilarious <laughs> so funny and um hook people up it's fun do you always have good live shows I do. I, I'm really I'm good at it. I really like it because it's different. You know, people may think they're going to go see just a strict comedy show and they don't know that I'm going to be right up in their face and we're going to be hooking two people up for real. And it's always what I love about it, too, is no show I've ever done has been the same. And do you have other people on stage with you? No. Just you? Just me. I would be open to it. Yeah, I um, I would actually love that to do it with other people. Well, Ross Matthews. Yeah, is this it? It's almost it. It's not it just yet because first we need to talk about window treatments. What's going on in your homes and with your window treatments? Let me tell you something. The house in LA needs window treatments. The house in Palm Springs has the most amazing window treatments, but I don't know how to get them because they were there when I bought it. What should I do? You should go to blinds.com. Say it one more time. Blinds.com. Okay. They have friendly experts that walk you through your buying process when you need help. It's more than just a place to buy blinds. It's a friendly and helpful team of US-based decorating experts that are there to make your life easier. These people are passionate about window coverings. They're passionate about blinds. Um, and I've said it before. I went off the friggin' deep end many years ago when I was trying to figure out what to do with the curtains in my Hollywood. I lived in Hollywood for a little while trying to figure out what to do there. I bought 
a thousand zillion different curtains. I hung one on each curtain rod and I made various people give me their opinions. And then I drove all over town buying new ones and returning them. And I would really literally lose sleep at night thinking like the perfect curtain is out there. I wish I had blinds.com back then. You know, technology is amazing. I know the advances. Thanks blinds.com. They have a really cool video design consultation service called face to face that lets a decorator check out your home without ever stepping inside your house. They'll ship you free samples so you can see and feel them in person. They have a sure fit guarantee. So if you mismeasure, they'll remake your product for free. Um, And then there's an iPhone and Android app called the window shopper that lets you take a picture of the window you want to cover and try on your blinds with augmented reality. And if you're not satisfied, they have a, a uh, 30-day money-back guarantee. Right now, Blinds.com is making it easier to keep your New Year's resolution, at least the in with the new part. Stick to your New Year's budget with sales from up to 15 to 25% off popular products. Get geeky cool with cool remote-controlled blinds and shades and sleep better on weekends with blackout shades and drapes. All right, now we're back. <laughs> what have we missed? Um, I, don't, I was just thinking about blinds. The whole time. I know. I got to get on blinds.com. You have got to get there. But yeah. so what have we missed in the um, the Ross Matthews world? Well, you have a production oh, company, right? I do. Yes. My production company, um, I produced, uh, Borderline Amazing produced Heller Ross. I, I produced that as well with them. Um, uh, we have sold two shows recently and um, going to be selling more. Hopefully. Congratulations. What are the shows you sold? We sold one to Ovation um, and then we sold a, uh, E has purchased a, a pilot for it and for are these else. ones that fe- are you able no. to talk about it or no no I, I can't really talk about it yet um but no they're not featuring me they're featuring other people i what i want to do is i still want i just wanted to create some content that i want to watch i watch a lot of tv and i love it and i talk so much shit about it and i thought well maybe you should just make some tv that you really really like so i'm trying to do that what are your favorite shows right now um i love like hgtv and i love the food network and i love um oh you know who i love is uh, on spike tv the um john taffer mm-hmm. uh-huh. bar rescue bar rescue i love him i love anyone Anyone who does anything, who really plants their flag and said, this is the, you know, this is who I am. This is how I see the world. That's who I respond to. I even listened like to Dr. Laura. Like I said, I talked a little shit about her earlier, but I love Dr. Laura because she plants her flag. It's why I love Howard Stern. It's why you're good at what you do. Oh, thanks. Because it's, that's what people want to hear. People show up for your POV. I uh, agree. And your the tagline for your production company, right, is, um, POV, LOL with POV, POV with an LOL. I know there's a POV and an LOL in there. It's it's, uh, everything I do. Uh, The checklist for Hello Ross, everything you do is LOL, OMG, POV. I think those three things together when you're producing something uh, make it worth watching. It's impressive that you found your voice and your point of view so young. Thanks. Thanks. I I just lucked in. (laughs) I just lucked in. Just found it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, it's... It's important because as we talked about earlier in closing, you know, when you, when you find that it's the, uh, and then when you find who you are and then you lose what you do, uh, it's nice to have something to hold on to. Yes. Until you find your way back. That's so, uh, eloquently put. Thanks girl. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, cause they have everything click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. And thank you guys so much for all your Amazon support. It helps immensely, especially now in this transitional period when we are, I'm turning my dining room into a studio. And if you want to support the show, there's PayPal links on my website as well at alisonrosen.com. Thank you guys all so much for all of your support. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's twitter feed at ariymbf we have a ringtone available hey 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 go fuck yourself 
you need this and you can get it by searching hey go fuck yourself on your iphone in the itunes store we have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the la podcast festival first one with doug benson and greg proops the next one with doug benson musician matt costa and much of the thursday gang and those are a dollar 99 in the comedy album section of the itunes store oh and we have a show email which is a-r-i-y-n-b-f show at gmail.com Ross, where should they go for you? Throw out all your plugs. Well, on Insta and Twitter, I'm Hello Ross. My website's HelloRoss.com. You can find the Straight Talk with Ross podcast, uh, Straight Talk with Ross on iTunes, StraightTalkWithRoss.com. All the information is there. And the book is Man Up. If you want to find it, if you haven't read it yet, you'll love it. You can get it on Amazon. Click through my banner. Girl. That's right. Can. Thank you so much. It was so nice to get to know you. This was a joy. I, I absolutely loved it and forgot that I had to pee so bad the whole time. <laughs> Except for when we brought it up. Right. Except for right now. Perfect. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen show. Rosie